Hello, and welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast, hosted by Enterprise Management Associates, an industry-leading IT analyst research firm that provides deep insights across the full spectrum of IT and data management technologies. The Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast will take a deep dive into the security topics that are top of mind for information security practitioners, IT professionals, and technology business leaders. Join security experts Chris Steffen, VP of Research at EMA, and Ken Buckler, Research Analyst at EMA, for some truly awesome topics. Chris and Ken, take it away. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Cybersecurity Awesomeness Podcast. I am your host. My name is Chris Steffen. Joining me today is my friend and colleague, Mr. Ken Buckler. Today, we're going to continue with our Cybersecurity 101 series, and we're going to talk a little bit about the term zero day. What is zero day? What are some examples of zero day? Why is it relevant to you? So on and so forth. There's always a lot of confusion of what it really means. Is it something that I really need to care about? Is my world going to come to an end if I don't take care of it? The answer is probably no, but at the same time, the bad guys sure like zero-day attacks because they are out in the wild and there is very little protection about them and very little information about them, and that's why they always do kind of make a little bit of news. But getting ahead of myself, let's start with some definitions and kind of go from there. Ken, why don't you start us with a definition on zero-day and uh, we'll talk about some recent attacks and so on and so forth. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, so the the definition of a zero day is a open vulnerability which has not been patched. Now, typically, it's used in association with a vulnerability that's being exploited that hasn't had a patch available yet. But with that said, sometimes they'll you know it'll just be referring to a, a vulnerability that has, doesn't have a patch, but might not necessarily being exploited. Um, now, one of the, the common misconceptions that I've, I've seen before in the news, and, and, and to be fair, this is probably from reporters that aren't necessarily the most technical, is that once a patch is available, sometimes you'll still see them refer to the vulnerability as a zero day. Technically, it's not a zero day anymore. Now, you, when, you, when you have a patch available for that vulnerability, now you're at day one or day two or day three. So it's a lot of fear and chaos sown whenever you throw around the, the term zero day. And let's be honest, it gets you a lot of uh, clickbait clicks. But, you know, so, so why are we talking about zero days? Well, there, there was, you know, been several in the news lately. The most recent one is a vulnerability in Avanti uh, VPN, which has actually been uh, actively exploited to the point that the federal government has ordered all federal entities to either put mitigations in place or shut down their Avanti VPNs completely. Um, And that's the important thing about zero days is just because there's a zero day out there doesn't mean that you can't necessarily defend against it. You can put mitigations in place. So let's go into that a little bit. I, I mean, there there's a gazillion examples of zero day attacks, and we'll talk a little bit about those in a moment. But the reason that zero day attacks are, are kind of interesting is that it usually is something in the wild, something that we haven't really seen before, and something that we don't have an immediate response to. But 
the key part, and you just mentioned it, that people have to remember is that your security posture should always be multi-layer. You always talk about the security onion, right? An onion has many, many layers. So should your security. You shouldn't have a one policy and one and done kind of thing. It should be multi-depth. And so you have in a lot of times in the security industry, another term we'll throw out there is compensating controls. And compensating controls are things that, yes, something might happen here, something bad might happen here, but we do this to protect the overarching infrastructure. Therefore, in theory, that might happen, but we'll be okay still. Or we're protecting the data in multiple ways. Even if it's exposed, we're going to be okay. Perfect example. Let's say that you lose a laptop. Losing a laptop is terrible. You don't want to lose a laptop. You don't want to have that data exposed. But if all the data on the laptop was encrypted and you have the only keys to be able to de-encrypt that data, in theory, you're going to be okay. Can somebody hypothetically decrypt that data? Maybe. I'm not going to fight that battle. That's another conversation for you and your auditors to talk about. But the reality of it is, is that for the most part, if you've done your due diligence and you have your data encrypted on your laptop and the laptop is lost, you're probably still going to be okay. A lot of different examples like that when it comes to networking, other compensating controls as far as segmentation of your networks and, and whatever have you. Again, that's just all part of the infrastructure or how security works. Security is always defense in depth. And we've been talking about defense in depth for a long time. We're going to continue talking about it that way. But this is yet just another example of where a zero-day exploit Yes, it definitely has potential of being bad, but if you understand the context of what that exploit is going to be, maybe it's not nearly as bad as you think. Well, and also, too, so a lot of times zero days are actually the result of an older feature, sometimes for backwards compatibility, that the the mitigation is you just turn that feature off. Um, and one of the, the examples that I can think of off the top of my head was uh, SSH or OpenSSL. Oh, was, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I, I was mean, there, too. S same thing yeah. with, like, Apache. I, right. I mean, there was a time where I was taking and doing mitigation for a FedRAMP medium authority to operate, and I would sit there with my scanner, and we would be at, like, 12 vulnerabilities in the morning, and then a new CVE would come out about lunchtime, and by the end of the day, we were at yep. 46 and then we remediate those the best we can, and then we would start the cycle all over again. And eventually, as a CIO, I basically said, what are we doing with ourselves here? I mean, do we need that feature? Is there a reason that you have to have that? In some cases, the answer is yes. But in some of those cases, the answer was no. And I was like, just uninstall the damn thing. I mean, if we need it, we'll turn it back on for a minute, and then we'll turn it back off. Let's keep it up to date. Let's do what we can do to do right. But we're killing ourselves here with this. NTLM hashing is probably another good example of that. You know, m most organizations don't need the the older versions of, of NTLM at all. You know, and, and, you know, at this point, I don't think Windows even supports it anymore. It isn't a matter of that, you know, hey, we Windows is going to patch this vulnerable uh, feature. It's no, we're just going to deprecate it and remove it. So that that's an, a really good approach to minimizing your risk of zero days is minimize your footprint. Um, you know, principle of least privilege 
doesn't apply to just user accounts. Principal police privilege also applies to your configuration. If you don't need a feature, turn it off, remove it. it and sometimes that's easier said than done. I mean, if you go and look at a Windows 3.1 machine, Windows 3.1 had probably, uh, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but it was a couple hundred features in it. You move to like Windows NT four, it had a couple thousand. When you move to like Windows Server twenty nineteen, I think it had eleven thousand different registry items. So and and I would argue that very, very, very few entities used every feature that came with their Windows machine or their Linux machine. In fact I would argue that you can't find anybody that used every feature in their Windows or Linux machine. And so turning off the features that you're not using probably makes a lot of sense. One, it's one less thing that you have to have brain damage about. Two, it's certainly one less thing that you're going to be exploited about. And so obviously that's the better thing to do. To your point, Ken, the, the, the less features that you have going, the smaller your footprint is, and in theory, the more secure you're going to be because that's just one less thing that can go wrong. And, you know, I know sometimes that's hard. Um, and one of the, the best ways to do that is to develop policies. And, you know, you know, great example, Windows lets you put group policies in uh, through Active Directory that says, okay, these are the features that are going to be disabled. These are the features that are going to be enabled on this set of Windows systems. So do that. You know, use security policies to to minimize your, your headaches when trying to mitigate your risk. Well, and then, then the hope is that you actually phone a friend that when you're trying to do that and, and get a real good understanding of what you need, what you don't need, and what the impacts are having some of those features on, off, at the standby, whatever have you. This, again, I, I say it over and over again. I mean it every time that we talk about it. Phoning a friend to understand security, if they understand security, Active Directory in this case, networking maybe better than you do, it's okay to talk to them about it. 99% of the security people that I know, if you talk to them and you had a simple question, they will talk to you about a couple of quick things that you can do to make your security better. That's just how the security community is. If you need more than that, taking and engaging with an MSP, MSSP, a third-party content provider, whatever have you, that's what your next step is. And there is no shame in that. It absolutely makes all the sense in the world to be proactive about your security and have a better understanding of how a zero-day attack is going to affect you, what you can do to mitigate some of those threats from a zero-day attack, and then take action or, or even plan on taking action so that you are mitigating as much of that, that vulnerability as possible. And also leverage your government resources that are available. DISA STIGS, NIST, the, those are some excellent resources for configuration guides for how to lock down your systems to to help minimize your risk, how to, how to help minimize your footprint. Same thing with your PCI auditor. I, again, you, you are... If you are accepting credit cards, there's a pretty good chance that you go through some kind of PCI DSS audit on an annual basis. I know for a lot of you, unfortunately, is a checkbox audit. I wish it was not that way. Take a few minutes, talk with the QSA that is doing your audit, and see if he has recommendations on things that you can improve. It doesn't have to be even on the record. Just say, look, you know, if, if there are three things that we could do in 2024 that would make our audit posture, our security posture better, 
what do you think those are? He'll tell you. I guarantee you. He, she, they will tell you. And and so then you have at least something that you can work at and something you can play with. Yeah. And, you know, final thoughts just to, to uh, expand on what you just said, Chris. Baby steps. Baby steps are absolutely fine. Identify what your, I, I'm going to say just number one priority needs to be. What is your biggest risk right now? Address that. Then identify your next one. Address that. And keep going and keep going. And eventually you'll you'll have your organization a lot more secure. You, now, will you ever be done? Probably not because technology is always changing. But it's important to take those steps and always be improving. It is. And you'll, you won't ever be done. It is a process. Why security people have job security for the until the end days because we're always taking and doing the next thing, which is great because then you're you're allowing your company to do the next thing too. But it is something that will continue to be ongoing, and the most important part is just getting started. So, with that, I think we covered that today. Again, really appreciate the topic. Really appreciate you listening to today's podcast. I hope that it has been informational. If you have questions about this podcast or anything that we're talking about, feel free to ping Ken or I. And until then. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Chris and Ken, for all your great insights on today's topic. Make your next podcast awesome when you work with EMA security experts Chris Steffen or Ken Buckler. Educate your prospects, differentiate your solution, and add the credibility of a third-party expert to your message. Visit cybersecurityawesomeness.com to listen to past episodes.